you're hitting the snooze button. Wake Up Springfield can fit your wake up hour. This is the Elijah Har Show with former Speaker of the House Elijah Har on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Maybe I'm foolish, maybe I'm blind. Thinking Welcome back to KWTO. Legislative session just finished its first week. By first week, I mean two half days are in the books. The real week begins next week, but joining us now at the end of the first week, Representative Bishop Davidson. Bishop, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Elijah. Glad to be back. All right. As you know, question of the day, every day different. Question of the day today, who is the single most overrated celebrity? The single most overrated celebrity. Yes. So it's got to, I mean, (laughs) I have no qualms with her personally, but it's got to be Taylor Swift. Ah, I I wondered if people were going to say, because here's the thing. Is she, so I think she's very talented as a singer. I don't care about her, but I think she's very talented as a singer. Um, My beef with Taylor is more that like, the focus on her has gotten so enormous, it's outsized for her talent. But at least she's talented. You know, some of these celebrities. I'm like, yeah. how did you even end up in the celebrity? Like, you know, the, like the Logan Paul, like the brothers. Yeah, no, no, no. Who and, are these? Like, they, they did dumb videos. And you're absolutely right on that. It's just, it's not that she's not talented. It's just proportionately. Like, I, she seems to be a great performer. I, I don't honestly listen. I like... Two songs I listened to or I've heard and liked back when I was in high school or whatever. But oh, can I get? Can you, will you got, sing one of them? Uh, well, I sing one of them. It's uh, it's the Romeo and Juliet. You know, I can't. It's like uh, I don't think I can sing it. I, it's, I, I can hear it in my head. Not, I'm just I just need a, 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 a baritone to belt it out. <laughs> All right, Bishop, like tell us country ones. <laughs> tell us about uh, first week of session. Any surprises? Any fireworks? How'd it go? Um, you know, we're over in the House, in the House of Representatives, and there's going to be a lot more fireworks, I think, in the Senate. Uh, in the House, it was a pretty mundane starting day. Not, not, a, lot, uh, not a lot to take away from it. The, the, the most interesting news a couple months ago has been the, the shakeup in the Speaker's staff and Speaker's office um, in terms of, of day-to-day functioning. Obviously, there's been a lot of news around the Speaker, and I would say... These first couple days, because of those staff changes, the new chief of staff, who, as you know, is a, a former speaker of the Missouri House himself, um, more than ever, the second year feels like a first year because it, it does feel like a very different speaker's office. And uh, it'll be interesting to see exactly how that plays out over the session. But I, I don't think we can go into this session with just the normal assumptions that we have a handle on what's going on because we were here last session. Does that make sense? Totally. And I, I said this yesterday and they take it at taking the temperature of the Senate, you know, they're already complaining and fighting and quibbling over rules and the typical, it feel like nothing's yeah. going to get done, but it, it feels like, you know, usually when the session ends, there's long cooling off period and everybody comes back, hope springs anew. But it feels like when last session ended, the, the end of May, and everybody hated each other, 
it was like we blinked and we started this session over and there's not been that dissipation of anger in the Senate. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's accurate. The, the sad part is, is that that is what we've kind of become. That's become the normal, the norm for the Senate. And so, um, you know, I, I'm not anticipating a whole lot over there. I'll be working over there. It's always smart for members of either chamber to, to make their way across the building. But uh, the most interesting thing, sort of ironically, right, the, the news would say the, the Senate's more interesting because it was a little bit more flashier of a start. But, but that's gotten to be such a routine that it's not that, it's not that unfamiliar. I think the most interesting thing, like I said, it's going to be those changes in the speaker's office. There were a, a couple changes in the floor leader's office as well. And the way that the, the, the way that that has an effect on the, the tone and temper of the chamber has yet to be seen. But I think we're going to see a much more focused house and for better or worse is yet to be determined. I mean, that's that's kind of the interesting part. But uh, it, it's certainly going to be a more focused chamber than it was last year. Talk to us we'll about that. That, that is because I think that's one of the interesting conversations that the new speaker's chief of staff and I had a few weeks ago uh, while he was, you know, when he was first taking over the job. As he said, you know, I, I remember when there used to be caucus priorities and there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be that anymore. And I, I you know, I, I explained my opinion was. There was a period of time where everybody thought the speaker was just the speaker because he wanted to run for higher office. And so the quote unquote priorities of the House were, well, these are just what he wants to run his campaign on for statewide office. And then we've gone through a batch of speakers who basically from the day they they were sworn in were like, I mean, maybe I'll run at some point, but I don't really have an interest in doing anything else. And so, you know. For some reason, the, the, the caucus never went back to that. And it, you're saying that, that this seems to be changing again. Well, and I don't know if I would say it's changing back to, oh, speakers running statewide, we need to build his platform. I, you know, I, I think the part of the reason that the caucus has struggled with priorities, if, if I'm being really shrewd about the situation, has just been that we've gotten a lot of issues done. And we're starting to we're starting to find well where are the cracks within our own Republican Party? We're finding the disagreements that exist. I think it, I think it's I think it's two things kind of colliding. On the one hand, you've got a Republican majority that's been a majority for a while, and there was a lot of work to be done. And I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Don't get me wrong, but we've had a lot of success in the world of uh, pro-life legislation. We've had a lot of success in the world of Second Amendment issues. And these are some of our stalwart Republican issues, right? We're, 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 low, we're generally uh, a low-tax state. And are, there, are there things we can improve upon? Of course. We're generally um, a low-regulatory state. Are there things that we can improve on? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. But there's been a lot of accomplishments over the last 20 years, um, and that has sort of collided with what I see as increased polarization across the spectrum and within the spectrum. It's not just polarization between Republicans and Democrats. It's between Democrats and Democrats, and it's between Republicans and Republicans. And those two things together have made it a little bit more challenging in in determining what a caucus priority is. For instance, I would say education reform. Uh, Lots of education reform would be a caucus priority. Um, And I would be agreed with, with probably a majority of the caucus. I feel confident saying that. However, we do struggle to get to that 82 number. And so is it how, how much of a caucus priority is if you can't actually pass it uh, in the chamber itself? And so 
but but what are we supposed to do? I mean, you you guys uh, under your leadership, there was uh, you know we had the the most pro life state was created, and now and now here we are. We've sort of executed on that on that intent. Um, what are we supposed to do in terms of the traditional Republican? sort of stalwart positions yeah i i remember that's the challenge this this happened so i think this cycles repeated itself a couple times it happened back in the early 2000s when matt blunt became governor and republicans had the house and senate for the first time in missouri and i don't know how many 40 years and so that first year or two of his term we just i mean everything rolled through and the second two years of his term there's a lot of a lot of fighting. Well, all the yeah. low-hanging fruit have been done. Similarly, yeah, right. I would that's say, in my mind, I feel like the high-water mark for Republicans getting things done in the state of Missouri was was 2018 and 2019. Um, 18, obviously, we were dealing with the, the Eric Greiden issue, but for some reason, the House and Senate worked great together. Um, and then in 19, those two years, we passed huge tax cuts and pro-life bills and, and guns, yeah. pro-gun stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, 20 comes, COVID shuts it down, and we get to 2021. There's just been this sort of like meandering few years where we're, where the Republican caucus is wandering the wilderness and they don't have true North points because the easy stuff got done. They, they crossed the Dead Sea. But the easy yeah. or the red, but the easy stuff was was over, and now it's like we're searching for those big issues that yeah. we can take yeah. on. Yeah, and 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 when we find an issue, well, let's take a let's take transgender mutilation for instance. It was addressed last year. It was a, it was a, a sort of I, I don't want to call it one and done because there is a sunset on parts of that bill that we will have to continue to address. And I know there's a bill that's been filed, but. Um, but we're, we are struggling to find what that what that issue is that hasn't been done. Not, let me be clear. Personally, I think there are a thousand issues that have yet to be done that we need to rally around as, as conservative Republicans. I'm giving you my analysis. I'm not giving you my opinion. Does that make sense? So yeah, totally. I, I, I get that. So, and so I, I think that um, I think that that's where we are. I think we're seeing more focus coming uh, coming from. Leadership as a whole, particularly the speaker's office, I think we're seeing more focus. I'm not sure, and I'm not convinced that it's focused in terms of how do we create a statewide, you know, a statewide platform. I, I think it's actually a little bit more sincere than that. I think it's focused in terms of like how do we just as a party, how do we govern well and improve the systems we have here in Missouri, improve the lives of Missourians. Um, so I, I think it's a I think there's some genuine efforts to create that focus, but like I said before, it will be, it's yet to be determined whether or not that's going to, that's going to work, whether that's going to improve the situation or worsen the situation because uh, too many changes too quickly always present challenges as well uh, within the systems of the house. And, and of course uh, there is a built in baked in dysfunction to this system that I, I, I absolutely adore. And sometimes we get a little too clever for our own good and we forget it's supposed to be really, really hard. Let's play the fun speculation game. You get to what we're going to say. You get to June 1st. You look back on session. Give us one or two things. You're like, I think we'll get this done and we'll be proud as Republicans that we got it done. Oh, man, man, that is a it is a hard question because of everything we've just already been talking about. Um. 
I think, I think we get something done on public safety. You know, we, we kind of played with it last year and then we, we pulled back because Kim Gardner had resigned. I think we get something more substantial done on public safety this year. That's something I feel a little more confident about. I think we pushed the ball on education. Um, and, and honestly, I, we've got that open enrollment bill, and I think there's a good shot for that. I'm not sure it gets through or not. We'll see. A lot of the challenges there exist in the House. But I think we're actually going to push a broader conversation about just writ large education reform. And when I say rich, writ large education reform, I'm talking about empowering parents. I'm talking about enabling teachers. I'm talking about returning to the fundamentals of a good education system. Um, and I, I'm actually pretty optimistic, not, not in terms of June 1st having something that we can show Missourians and be proud of, but I'm optimistic in terms of, of maybe opening up a, a more holistic conversation about education reform that I feel like we haven't had for a while because we felt like we had to just moderate, 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 compromise, compromise, compromise on the issue. And sometimes that's not actually the answer. Sometimes you need to have more, uh, more of a bold vision to get something done. Tell us a little bit about, uh, let's narrow it down to the, the, the issues of the legislation that you're carrying this year. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm carrying a few pieces, a couple boring pieces, some interesting things. You know, I, I was thinking over the session, uh, and I was involved in the Second Amendment Preservation Act pretty heavily, and the Second Amendment is something that's very important to me. There were two issues. One was I was just sitting there thinking, uh, as, I, as I often do, I'm, I'm very nerdy, as you know, and I realized, you know, when I look at what infringements are and how the state infringes upon things, it dawned on me that I think taxes really genuinely are a type of infringement. And so I've got a bill that says, hey, you know what? We don't believe in infringements on our Second Amendment and taxes on our guns, taxes on our firearms, taxes on ammunition are such infringements. I got a bill that would actually exempt those things altogether. A second Second Amendment issue that came to mind is actually a friend was talking to me from Kansas City. His landlord apparently um, required in the lease that he not own firearms or certain types of firearms at his apartment, um, which is just sort of a wild situation to me. I think you could litigate that. I think you'd challenge it on, on just constitutional issues alone. But as a lawmaker, we're going to look into legislating and we're going to look into addressing that situation, which I see as a gross infringement on that, that, you know, that person's second amendment uh, rights, especially when you're talking about a person's domicile and their right to protect their home and protect their well-being. And so that's another bill that I'm, I'm carrying. And then, uh, and then I've, I've got a, a writ large education bill. And, you know, I talked education reform. I've got, a, it's not been filed yet, but it's in a, kind of a big picture education bill just to really look at the way we do do education here and, and some of the changes that I think would be good for, for, for our students primarily. And because it's good for our students, it'll be good for our state. Uh, final question. Wanted to focus a little bit on the budget. Uh, obviously the house, they started their budget hearings a lot earlier than usual. They were doing them in, in December. Um, there's always this debate over who's got the power between the House and the Senate on the budget. And then you've got a somewhat of a stagnating economy and, and less money coming from the federal government. Give us a, you know, a, a little bit of a look at where you think the budget ends up this year. Yeah. Um, well, those conversations are fortunately being had. 
I, I'm not as familiar with the Senate picture, but in the House picture, I feel like we've got a lot of fiscal uh, responsibility in our budget chair, Cody Smith, and our vice chair, Dirk Deaton, and just generally as a chamber. And so uh, I really am looking forward and hoping that our committee and our chamber is going to, um, you know, just I, I don't want to say pump the brakes, but just, just really be prudent as, as we plan, not just for this year, but how this year's budget may influence years to come. I would much rather prepare for, uh, for a drought and have plenty than, than the other way around. Absolutely. Uh, all right, Bishop, if people want to follow along with the work that you're doing or, or just generally keep up with what's happening in the 2024 legislative session, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, they could obviously follow along with me. Uh, Bishop for Mo is all of my social medias. That's how you, you find it is Bishop for Mo. And I, F-O-R. I, I jokingly ask everybody this, but do you do TikTok? I don't do TikTok. So, so I'm like, I'm super anti TikTok, but it's interesting because I'm torn on it because philosophically, and I, I, I think we should ban TikTok. I think it's a plant for the Chinese, uh, to, to steal our information. But I also know that there's a ton of young people that are on it. So I'm always curious which Republicans are like, Oh, I, you know, whether or not I like it or not, I'm going to use it and which ones don't. And you're pretty tech savvy. So I was just curious. Yeah, no, no. And you, you make all the same points that I kind of mull around in my head, but, uh, but I, I think we've we've got to we got to find a way to talk to young people, other than uh, utilizing what what very likely is just a Chinese spy tool. Right, and I, and I I think we all agree they probably aren't reading the op eds in the Springfield News Leader. So find an alternative ways to get the information <laughs> yeah. in their hands. Always valuable. Yeah. Hey, Bishop, yeah. always a pleasure. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be on. Happy to come back anytime. All right, Bishop Davidson, he's the uh, state legislature, kind of w- very western edge of Springfield over into Republic area. Joining us today on the show, we're going to be right back. We're going to answer the question of the day. Talk a little bit about college football because I love to. Don't forget 505, consultant Dennis Lennox. He's going to talk about Iowa, Mickey Haley. And what's the third caucus or primary after Iowa, New Hampshire? I bet you're wrong when you guess what it is. Can only be what's true. If all was lost, it's more I've gained. Cause it led me back 